Welcome to the Everyday PM podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, retail, consumer goods, and tech industries. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Joshua Montgomery, Associate Professor of Computer Science at Southern State Community College, onto the podcast with me today. Dr. Montgomery, please take a moment to be super excited to be here. I'll be 100% honest with you, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to dig in. Um, But for those that don't know you, please take a second to introduce yourself. Yeah, I am a computer science professor in Appalachian, Ohio. So I have a a doctoral degree in computer science. I teach a lot of classes and I'm probably mostly known for my regional droid building. So I did a TED talk a few about a year ago on how building R2D2 here changed what I do in a classroom. So for the past three to four years in my classroom, we build big projects. And so we're going to talk about that day and how project management helps us do these kind of big projects. This is so exciting. And I think it's just, I'm excited for many reasons, obviously honored to have you on here, honored to have your guests behind you on the podcast as well. Um, This episode is a special one for many reasons. Not only do I get to welcome you onto the podcast, but it will also be the first episode to be offered in a visual format um, as we kick off uh, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ancampia, where I will be posting all of the podcasts in that format. There's so many ways you can consume this podcast, and now just another awesome way to do that is to watch it on YouTube. So let's dive into this week's topic. Sure. I'd love to say it's just on Star Wars. But I, that would be a disservice as well, because I am not the most fluent on Star Wars out of everybody in, in the world. But the connection between Star Wars and project management is really what intrigued me and, and why we decided to collaborate on this podcast. So we are talking about project-based learning and how project management has brought your droids to life, right? Mm-hmm. So right. let's just start off with how you got into droid building. Yeah, so... um. Well, I've been a nerd my entire life. I think in my TED talk, I, I mentioned that whole piece there. And, you know, I always thought Comic-Cons were just in California. And uh, I went to my first one in 2014, dressed up with some Star Wars characters, my, took my kids, Halloween, that kind of stuff, uh, ran into people that build robots. And so in 2015, um, I decided I wanted to get into robotics. I had the summer off teaching and started swinging at R2-D2. Two years later, lots of failures. I finally built this, this big droid behind me. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about those, those types of failures, but that led me to a level of confidence that I'd probably never had before. Ah, yeah. It bestowed upon me something that I think that I could do in my classroom. And I think that's pretty, pretty unique. And we'll talk more about that. What a great epiphany to have, you know, and nothing better than being at a fun event where Everybody yeah. is of the fandom. You got people in cosplay. You have people who just live and breathe Star mm-hmm. Wars. If you guys have not been to this type of convention, for those that are listening or watching, there's an entire section usually dedicated to a group of people who build droids, right? Yeah, and we're, I always we're the droid builder them. community. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all over the There's not a lot of us, but the people that are that do it are really active and they yeah. love like for, for example, love to share this passion that we have in, in building these big robots and these prop robots. And I always get asked the same two questions. Um, how much does it cost you? 
and yeah. are you still married? Uh, okay. <laughs> I am still married. That <laughs> My wife did not divorce me through that two years, two and a half years. Uh, and the cost of doing something like this, we'll talk about budgetary pieces of this because okay. you, you can absolutely get to a number value of how much it takes to build a droid by using some project management skills. Okay, fantastic. Well, let's talk about how you decided ultimately to, you know, merge the two together. You, you started yeah. building droids, you've been teaching kind of where, yeah. when did that happen? And what was the impact that you've seen on your learning? You know, it was, um, it, it was passion. So I'm a very passionate person. And I, and I, you know, kind of realized from teaching and watching students that the engagement you get from somebody when they're actually doing something they want to do is something that propels you beyond money, mm-hmm. a grade, anything like that. Right. So it occurred to me that I could do these big, big projects because I know I've been successful at doing it. I know I could teach my students to do it and then we could figure it out. The key though, it had to be something they wanted to do. So in my classes, I have several different courses. I call it individualized project-based learning and we'll go through some more of it in, our, in our, a little bit further. Um, but students actually pick a project they want to do, something they decided to to make happen. And every project is unique, has its own challenges, and the level of problem solving and critical thinking skills that they develop that piece absolutely makes a difference in their education. So if you could find some passion for a student and tie that to something, they never leave the lab. <laughs> they don't want to go home, you know what I mean? So it's it's pretty pretty important. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I am actually taking a course right now on how to teach successfully online. Okay. And the number, yeah. And the number one thing that I've learned so far is that the students have to enjoy what the topic is, right? And if they don't enjoy it, the professor instructor has to be very enthusiastic about the topic. So yeah. I feel like your students get the best of both, right? You're, you're enthusiastic <laughs> they definitely get the energy. I'll, I'll tell you that. I right. got all I've got. I can just imagine they go into the classroom and get to do something that is just so unique and different than what they typically do in a lab. And I, I am not, my brain doesn't function in the way I think yours does. But if I was a student taking your class, I'd be super excited about that. It's it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify uh, those grades to the projects and those kind of pieces from the fact that as a student's all their grades increasing is just a grade in that classroom. Those kind of pieces take place, but um, retention and seeing someone through those, th- these high projects definitely help with that for sure. And it's, it's hard, hard to think of a world where there isn't one person who doesn't know what star Wars is. So <laughs> even if there's a familiar familiarity with the property, or maybe they just don't like star Wars or don't know <laughs> it too well, there's still something really need to teach right outside of droids being bb8 and and r2d2 there's still things that you can teach them yeah so some students will build um man weather stations i had one student come to me one time she's a big nasa fan and she goes man i saw someone online build this miniature like big mars rover i think it's a project one of your students should do and she's a student of mine i said that sounds fantastic that is a project you should do she thought someone else had to do it. Like she could, she didn't know enough to do it. And so we started that journey together. And a lot of times it just takes that first step. You know, I, and you know how to eat an elephant by chance? You know, uh, that one phrase bite before? at a time. There you go. One bite at a time. <laughs> so you just got to start. And, and I think that's the most critical piece. And then you just figure out a problem at a time that you take care of. 
and eventually you'll get there. And that's, I mean, I think that's a great transition in terms of the way you're thinking, right? Even in Mm -hmm. project management, one problem at a time and you problem solve together, uh, usually in a cross-functional team or at least, you know, collaboratively uh, um, to figure out what problems need to be solved in order to execute your project successfully. Right. So let's dive into kind of the, where I think we see the crossroads here of project Mm -hmm. management and droid building and you being able to infuse this in your classroom. Tell me a little bit more about how project management has impacted that. Yeah, that's a good segue into it, isn't it? Uh, so, you know, we talked about those, those big massive projects and you first got to start off with, you know, what's your, your big picture. Uh, Dr. Stephen Covey talks all the time about, you know, what's your end goal? What's your end goal in mind? And you have to understand what that end goal is going to be. We're going to get here. Now we have to figure out how to get there. So understanding that, number one, you start with the big picture. You understand what your plans are going to be accomplished. Uh, you know, number two, you have to consider um, if you're going to have a team. In some of my projects, we have teams, and not all of them do, but for example, BB-8 was a team effort of three students. So those three students, we had to define roles, responsibilities, and make it applicable to everybody in that, that piece. And no matter if you're in a team or not, number three, we have to define what your scope is. We talked about a second ago, taking up one by at a time, right? You have to break this down into smaller sections that are manageable. When, when you take a look at a big project like R2, which is a multi-year project, or BB-8, which can be done in a year, normally a little longer, it, they're so big, you don't think you can do it because it just the scope is just so big and you worry about scope creep and other issues when you're trying to match this out on a Gantt chart or something, right? So you take a big project, you break it down, and you start working through that. Um, I always like to say the most important thing about the entire piece is to celebrate your failures and be positive. Because number four, for me in project management, is all about celebrating those failures when they come up and being positive throughout the environment because you're going to have all kinds of issues. Oh, and yeah. in any big project, you know how it goes, right? Uh, scope creep or budget issues, supply problems, that happens with all these kind of projects too. So you have to be able to, number five, adapt mm-hmm. understand something's going to blow up something's going to happen and and you have to adapt and move here's a great example bb8 we built bb8 here um uh and right before the pandemic i think it's about 2019 2020 uh, it was the first bb8 to be built in stable Ohio. it was really cool we got invited to three different news stations we're on the good morning america stuff at the, at the <laughs> in columbus ohio That's it was awesome. great we had a blast um and we got invited to the big technology conference in Ohio. And the uh, governor in Ohio was going to come see our robot and, and on the second day. Day one, BB-8's rolling around, doing great. I'm talking to a couple educators. And all of a sudden, you watch BB-8's head. just goes like sideways and just like stop. <laughs> and yep. my driver, her name, her name is Shelby. She looks at me and she's just like, what happened? And, <laughs> and the motor inside BB-8 blew up. It oh, just no. Died. I know. Right. In the middle of the conference, we're showing all this big project. We're so excited and proud of our students for and the governor's the very next day. So we had to adapt. Uh, fortunately, we had another drive assembly there because we also were building CB23, another rolling robot. Another student was working on that. And we ripped out some motors. We rebuilt his drive assembly and we got him working. Now, that was really stressful. But man, the critical thinking and the problem solving skills mm-hmm. that those students had to develop during that time frame, I yeah. cannot simulate that in a classroom. Right, right. I think 
when you're building these kind of projects, you just got to be aware that you're going to live a little bit in frustration sometimes because there's no, there's documentation on how to do some of these things, but you, you, there's really no way of saying every single piece. You're going to run into some failures. Yeah, no, I agree. And taking a step back, you said it took you yeah. two years to build your first one. Yeah, two, two and a half. I always say two years because I thought I was done at two years. It took me probably another half a year of getting everything exactly what I wanted it to be. Okay. Um, my, my R2, uh, he was originally wood and it just didn't look the way I wanted it to. And I went with aluminum. Uh, I have a whole uh, lecture I do on learning to fail where I take R2D2 to libraries and schools and I, I show all the different failures that I went through to just yeah. like, know that. You know, it's it's important for someone to see your failures because all they see is the success of something working, right? They don't realize that you, exactly. you burned all these electronics up or you, you made a mistake with all these you know, all these uh, welds and painting and everything. So yeah, and that's really where I wanted to go with that question is two, 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 two and a half years. I imagine there were several iterations. It sounds like you had some change requests and scope creep of your own because yeah, right, right, to blame yourself, um, right? Right, um, right. You, know, you chart that stuff right. out, but you don't realize at what point you're going to have those kind of major problems. And so when scope creep does take place, you know, obviously I'm pushing back my timelines yeah. um, and I'm trying to find more money and those kind of things. So yeah, uh, it, it, it got, it got pretty expensive for this big guy because I want him to all be in aluminum and steel mm-hmm. and uh, that becomes an issue. And what's funny about this, this robot here is that uh, he doesn't fit to my basement doors. And I have to disassemble him to move him. Oh, and you, you think he was built in this basement and uh, you think that I'd have figured that out uh, before <laughs> I was done. You know what I mean? But and that's exactly the examples of, you yeah. know, what the, I imagine your students learn as well is, is mm-hmm. you have to be able to be flexible and adjust. And is there anything you tell them up front, you know, as you're setting your scope and your requirements for, for the droid build, is there anything a mantra, perhaps, you know, uh, <laughs> reminding them to breathe? Is there anything that you tell them up front just to, so they're aware that this is going to happen? I, I always tell them, I will never give up on you if you don't give up on me. That's great. You're going to pass this class. You're going to get an A in this class as long as you don't give up. If it takes us longer than 16 weeks, not a problem. We're going to extend that course. We're going to find additional time. I'll come in over the weekend. We're going to get there. Uh, what happens all too often is we're put in that 16-week time frame. Of, mm-hmm. of our schedule yeah. uh, for uh, classes and students get real panicky. Now, you can't just say it's all going to be okay all the time because uh, students will procrastinate and they'll wait till like three weeks before the, the semester ends and they'll, they'll try to cram too much in and it, they realize they can't get all that kind of stuff done. So one thing I do is I have a, a project plan piece that I use. And so in like my schedule timeline uh, uh, section, we actually address when we do things and they get reported and graded on those pieces. Great. Yeah. So you've, you've given them deliverables, set timing of when it's due. And I imagine if they get there or even partially get there, but highlight something, some sort of risk or some sort of issue happen that you, hopefully you're the lenient professor. That's just like, okay. <laughs> I, I understand. I, I actually have, I actually, um, in my document, um, where I grade them and I grade them on week 11, 14, 16, and it continues going on. I have sections on there for planned activities for each reporting period, budget or grant funding that we're using for that, that time yeah. and list of all issues, failures, and risks, because I want to hear about the failures. You're going to have them. 
I want to count them. You should have so many of them. I want to celebrate those failures. We learn so much more through those those failures of, of trying things than we do from just our easy easy successes. So I absolutely want to hear about them. I want to see them. I don't take points off for them. It's like you, you celebrate them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Which you, is you, so much different than what we do normally in education. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And before I forget, you know, that was a very good piece of advice that you give to your students in terms of, you know, I'm here for you. I'm supporting you. If you fail, we're in this together. I think that can be used in your personal and everyday life that can be used as a project manager. Absolutely. I haven't heard a project manager kick off a project and say that I imagine it would be super impactful to actually use that as your opening statement to your team. If your team knew that you were there, you, you know, through uh, the, the good and the bad of the project, if something hits us, it hits all of us. It doesn't just hit the project manager or the engineer or whoever that is on the team. I think that's a great piece of advice. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. We're in this together kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. A good so point. You, you talk a little bit about budget. I'm curious there because it sounds yeah. like it's uh, how are the droids funded for the students and are they as part of the project having to track their own budgets and 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 timing and how they expend their themselves as a resource uh, expending of their own time yes and okay. the amount of money that they spend on a project and it's completely different depending upon project got it uh, sometimes we will do a gantt chart and kind of track everything out for each item it's going to cost this amount and if it is a big enough project, like say animatronic C-3PO or uh, one of our mouse droids or another BB-8, if we would build another one, we built two, uh, that's too many, we have enough. So uh, when we do those big projects though, um, uh, we get funding through a couple sources. The college, my college mm-hmm. will pay for it. We have grant funding that, that pays for these big projects. A lot of our big projects are grant funded if it's big enough. Uh, I, I will fund a project if, if I'm just passionate about a student doing it. That's and great. You know what? About half the time, Anne, a student will fund their own project because uh-huh. they're passionate about it. Yeah. If I fund it, it stays in my lab. If the college uh-huh. funds it, it's not mine. It's the college's. It stays here. So that's that's the caveat. And so if uh, I have a student right now building a Dalek from Doctor Doctor Who, uh, he wants to keep this and take this home. He's been in my lab all summer. He graduated, mind you. Um, <laughs> Literally last semester, he's been here all summer, every Tuesday, Thursday, working his Dalek in my lap because he wants to take it home. And that's, he's just, he just, he just comes in. Yeah, I, I would be <laughs> the same. I would want my own, whatever droid I right. build and take it home. And you, yep. you're proud of it, right? You, I right. think that's the accomplishment that goes with also being a project manager. You might not be the engineer who is making the thing function or the designer mm-hmm. who figured out how to make the mechanism fit into the you know shell, but you are a part of that overall, overall process. And ultimately you as a PM, if you're actually producing something that's tangible like this, wouldn't you want to take pride in that, you know, go to the store, buy your product off the shelf, or at least show it off to your friends. So I can imagine these students would want to do the same thing. Yeah, they, um, they get attached. Um, yeah. the, 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 the most recent example probably is BB. Uh, three students built that. You know, so three couldn't take it home. It just sits in my lab. I currently brought it home so we could have it here uh, today for, mm-hmm. for this. It normally just sits in my lab in like a case. I try to protect it so no one touches it, you know. <laughs> and then the students have graduated, come in, they hug it for a little bit, and they leave, you know. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 
it, but it's their droid. Like, you know, it's not going anyplace else. They built it. It's always going to be theirs. You know, it, it just sits in there as a, a, a testament, a monument to what you can complete when you really just give it your all. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, it's not easy. It's not an easy process. It I want to really dig is. in a little bit further into yeah. problem solving and critical thinking and, and how you kind of steer your students around that concept. You know, it's, it is probably the best thing I can do is the individualized project-based instruction. And so what I primarily do and when it comes to critical thinking and problem solving skills, is it's all about getting a student to see a problem and fix a problem. So often we will go, we see a problem. I, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I, I, someone come help me. And that's the first thing. It's the first reaction a lot of people will have. And so my job is to figure, to ask us lots of questions. Well, so what would you do next? Well, hold on. It's, it's not my project. This is your project. So what would be our next step? What else would you do here? How do you think we can solve this? Remember when we covered this in X class? Do you think that could help you in this piece here? And if, if you someone just steps in, helps somebody with that, they don't really learn anything for that process. Problem solving is all about you taking ownership of a problem and seeing it to the end. And, and I know we're tying this a lot to project management, but when you have people in your project and then when all they do is go, pick up a phone or just go, I, I don't know, that's not my job or that's yeah. not my project and they don't yeah. take ownership of something, man, that's a big problem. Yeah, absolutely. There's something about understanding the steps it takes to actually solve the problem. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, it's something that if you're not doing it already as a project manager, you should dig in and know that so that right. in the event you hit the problem again, or you have to be the one teaching somebody else how to problem solve that same issue, right. you can do it and you can yeah. do it, you know, with confidence. And I think that's really important. You know, no matter if you're an you know, employee in a project, if, if you're a student, uh, you know, whoever, there's something that happens as you problem solve and as you fix issues, you gain a little of confidence. And, and I, I see it in my students all the time. Mm -hmm. I'll give an example of one of my, my favorite students, his name's Ian, he, he was one of the BB-8 builders, nice. did a lot of work on that, and when he finished BB-8, he literally couldn't wait to work on another project, he had another semester, so he built a mouse droid, a full-size mouse droid, and developed code for a sign language ASL glove, as, as he would sign, would say what he was signing, wow. he just, he had a level of confidence that he didn't have before. And it was through those successes that drove him to that piece. That's great. Yeah. And do you know if uh, any of your students continue to use any of the tools or, or steps that you're outlining in terms of building that Gantt, understanding it, how to track risks? Do any of them take that forward with them? Um, oh, yeah. For those that you've kept in touch with? Oh, yeah. Um, they go every which direction. My, my program is a computer technology program. So it's, it's networking and cybersecurity programming robotics. So it really depends on what where they, they land. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they're in a cloud based uh, server environment, then that's obviously going to be a lot of that kind of Gantt problems or Gantt, Gantt uh, scales and so forth that they have to go through. So yeah, 100%. Uh, I teach a, a couple classes for um, in, in systems analysis piece where we track all that information. So are, are, I'm curious, are you formally trained in any way as a PM? Because you, you seem to know that all the tools that we utilize <laughs> project management, um, or are you just a fan of the- I'm an eclectic computer science programmer. So I have a degree, my, my master's is in information systems. Okay. So my, uh, my master's um, final thesis project was to build a uh, mobile device database system for the Save a Breast Foundation. 
and we developed that as a mobile platform device, a mobile platform for that organization. So yeah, I have some formal training and information systems, which kind of tie a little bit into PM. There's a few classes I, I took on PM. So um, I don't teach a lot of it. We use it because it's valuable. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah, you, absolutely. If, you, if, if you don't do this kind of work, if I don't track this through some kind of plan, then we just spin our wheels and we don't mm-hmm. ever get there. You don't see any progress. And if right. you don't see that progress, then you're just never going to effectively get there. And that's, that's the critical piece for me. And, and that is what this channel is all about, Dr. Montgomery. <laughs> it really is. It's, awesome. it's when people are able to make that connection that the things that they leverage, if they're doing something in their everyday lives, they, they probably don't realize that it is in some ways tied to project management, right? And I think that is absolutely the reason why I started this community is because there's so many ties elsewhere. I mean, you're not a a PM professional, but you utilize a lot of the tools and the processes and and things that we use for your classes as well. So I think that's amazing. So I, I realize we've gone through this interview, by the way, and I have not even said hello to your guests. (laughs) <laughs> that is very rude of me to not have asked R2D2 and BB8 to also say hello to the audience. Awesome. Well, here's R2. R2 can say hi. That's awesome. I think he's saying project management is cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He's a little, he's a little longer, more longer winded BB-8 is, and uh, I can't really roll him or he'll roll off the uh, the table here. So I don't want to. Totally do fine. <laughs> don't don't want to create that risk. We'll log it right, in, right. in the tracker, that's, right? That's Did, now right. with the audio that's in them, is that mm-hmm. something that the students also input themselves? Do they code the audio into the, the droid? And it where really did, where did on, those files come from? It really depends on the droid. Okay. Uh, these the, Both of these droids are uh, from the droid builder community. So okay. you know, we pulled those audio files from people who have collected those or have worked those through. And they, they, that goes through like a committee process that gets part of the droid builders piece. It's, you know, actual, the, the right authentic sounds and those kind of things. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that you see that has come from the droid builder community, it's, it's come almost from Lucasfilm, right? So they've scanned it from the actual robots or they've worked with the actual engineers that do that, or those engineers were from that community, right? So yeah. um, getting my students connected to those kind of communities is really a, a lot of fun. Uh, from the mere fact that then they, they kind of get immersed in this, you know, so we, we've had students build Iron Man costumes, which they're in the Iron Man Builders Club. We've had students that build, you know, BB-8, for example. We've had students that built, um, uh, we're working on Wally, for example, like a full-scale Wally oh, robot. I would and totally build Wally. <laughs> and what's really interesting is you could reach out in social media to these, these, you know, other engineers, these other uh, Imagineers and ask them a question and uh, you'll be shocked how quickly someone just comes right back to you and say, Oh, you're doing this. You're a student working here. Let me tell you all the things. Mm. And it's, it's really fun to watch that process play out. Yeah. It's, it sounds like such a great community and a lot of sharing, right. And learning and, mm-hmm. and, and, and passing on of, of information. It's the same in project management, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah. know, a lot of what you learn is things that are passed on from another project manager uh, because, mm-hmm. Hey, I went through that same experience. I tried to build BB eight and I hit X, Y, and Z obstacles. And here's how I got around them. And it's the, mm-hmm. the sharing and the learning between the community that I also think is such a beautiful thing. Um, and I think 
is what will continue to progress at least your droid building community, if not also project management as well. It's, it's that collaboration, right? Yes. You know, if, if, you, if you're stuck on an island and you're trying to do it all by yourself, then you're going to have a real bad day of it. Uh, but if you can collaborate with other people and understand that there's other people that may have a better way of doing that or a different way of doing that, then it's going to propel you to be more productive. Yeah. Uh, time management, like stress management, is a critical skill to master. And, you know, you don't want to be spinning your wheels working on something that you could find a solution one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's really essential to um, plan out your day the best way you possibly can. I, I'm, and I'm not sure if you still do this or you do this at all, but I make notebooks, you probably can't see that, of all of what I'm doing that day oh, and yeah. then I mark it off. I so, wish I could show my camera. I've got my little dry erase board up here with my list of to-dos. It's one of the easiest PM tools to use. Right. It's, it's so simple, right? It's yeah. such a simple thing. But if you don't sit down and spend a little bit of time at the beginning of every one of your days and write out what you plan to accomplish that day, uh, you will just find yourself in the Netflix world or whatever, you know, <laughs> or, you know, just go, doing too much emails. I will tell yeah. you, I believe, uh, at least from a project management standpoint, I was a director of technology for a school district for 13 years. So I've done a lot of other big projects, multi-million dollar uh, school buildings and those kind of things. And I think one of the biggest wastes of time that we get ourselves into is over communicating. Communication is critical. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You can say what you need to say and, and, and make everyone be aware, clear, and concise communication. However, I think email sometimes we spend a little bit too much time in that environment and where we could be spending it on the project, whatever we're supposed to be doing. So yeah, I think emails is a great tool. Moderation. Which I feel like is a spinoff, a complete spinoff of this podcast. And, and you just had me thinking about, I need to do one on how to prioritize, right? Because that's absolutely <laughs> right. Because yeah. when you... When you take these analyses of, uh, if I remember correct, I forget the, the theory itself, but if you spend your time in quadrant four, which is emails and, and non-priority you know priority tasks, you can find right. yourselves doing that for eight hours of your day and not easily never gotten to the top three things you wanted to knock off of your to-do list. So agreed. Right. It's so yeah. important. And, some, and, and just yep. a very basic and simple thing that you can do for yourself is just to write a list every single day and check it off. Because again, it feels good when you check things off your list. And I imagine the same thing goes when you right. check things off of your deliverables list for your, for your droids is that with each milestone you hit, it's a celebration in many ways. Yeah, you, you, you celebrate those times. And because you, you just never know how often you're going to have them. But uh, if you are planning, if you are making those plans and to Mark stuff off your list, put them in your Gantt charts, put them in your calendar systems, whatever you decide to use those kind of pieces, it'll elevate your work because uh, mm -hmm. you, you always assign a priority level to everything that you're doing and you know what's critical, what can wait until the next day, do I need to communicate today on this email or can I wait a couple of days on this, mm -hmm. and then you spend time that matters on the time that you have the pieces there and then schedule that time, you know, if you have four hours to work on this one thing great spend that time the correct way be in the right headspace yeah. i see all too often uh, students and or people employees that used to work for me um they'll have distracting music play uh, they will have other things going on they're not mm -hmm. really as invested as they need to be yeah. and i'm there's a lot of theories on on you know 
how to be in the right headspace. But I can tell you, I just finished my dissertation not too long ago. Oh, and, congratulations. Uh, I cannot write. Thank you. I cannot write at all to any music that has words in it because all of a sudden the words are coming out of the piece yeah. of paper, right? So it's got to be some, some other kind of music in the background. Some sort Star of Wars, John Williams. Yeah, theme. yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just have John Williams playing the entire time. Right. I'm sure that right. is very inspiring or also very uh, suspenseful as you're trying to type up your dissertation there, but um, a good Hammer source of inspiration. <laughs> right, right. My, my students, uh, unfortunately, get hit with that during test time. I'll be playing John Williams music in the uh, over the speakers, whether taking a test or finals or something like that. Yeah. Um, they just understand it comes with the territory with with me. So yeah. <laughs> they have to do it. Well, and as an, uh, you know, as a professor, I'm sure mm-hmm. being in this climate that we're in right now, right, being mm-hmm. amidst a pandemic, people are doing a lot of things remotely. Keeping mm-hmm. focus, like you said, is really, really challenging for students, I imagine, who, yeah. you know, if they're not physically in a classroom, mm-hmm. that's one thing that can really take them off focus. The other piece of the, this, uh, where I'm going with this, is you traditionally work in a lab. So right. has that taken away from the focus of your students? You know, have, have they had to do things remotely? Yeah, um, when the pandemic started, uh, it hit spring semester for us, and we had to go fully remote. Uh, I ended up taking projects to kids' homes and dropping stuff off. It was a ton of work on me to to finish up what we were doing, and then um, uh, and then we started a new fall semester still in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, we masked up, and um, you know the vaccine was shortly after that, thankfully, and we we did it. Uh, social distance and did a, still a lot of things I normally can do. So it didn't mm-hmm. set me back uh, too far, but uh, we were able to do a few things. And one thing really interesting I, I did during the pandemic start was we got kind of shut down and I had access to a lot of 3D printers. So I built a nonprofit organization called SOMAC, the Southern Ohio Makers Against COVID Coalition, and we built mm-hmm. 5,000 free face shields for oh, wow. anyone in Southern Ohio and delivered them through all, all of Southern Ohio. I had a total of I think 60 educators around Southern Ohio printing and delivering them and we build them and take them places. So that's amazing. We, we spent our time uh, pretty, pretty effectively there at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, but it has been a challenge. Uh, I was just told today through an email from my president that we're going to have to require masks again here uh, on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I'm really bummed. I understand Mm-hmm. But I'm bummed. Oh, <laughs> of course. I want to be done. You know what I mean? Well, it goes uh, with so. the whole being flexible with as things change. Right. 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 I, I was frustrated, but it's, it's going to be okay. I'm flexible. I'll adapt to this mm-hmm. and uh, I will find ways for our students to do really fun, cool, individualized projects and, uh, and teach them all the skills necessary for them to be successful in life. Well, I am just, you know, in awe of what you do, Dr. Montgomery. I mean, and and considering you've, you did a TED talk in the middle of the pandemic, which I highly encourage everyone to check out. I watched it. It was awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Those droids moving too, which is cool. Uh, The the droids moved around with me on, on the TED stage. You know, when you set up a TED talk, it's fully scripted. I'm not sure if you know that. They make you fully memorize a script. You get a script coach and you go through that whole process. It takes about half a year to go through building a TED talk. Wow. A lot of fun. Learned a lot. But I did that talk to an empty audience. There was no one there. I'm talking at red exit signs. That's what I'm looking at through that, that talk there. There's five cameramen and sound people and makeup people and that kind of stuff there. And they're all masked. But they, they let me take a mask off to do the talk. And, uh, you know, there, there's no one laughing at your jokes. You know, you, you set up a couple of jokes when you're, you're thinking about doing this. No jokes. No, no one laughed at them, at least. So 
I laughed at my jokes. I, thought they were <laughs> I laughed at your jokes, but you well, didn't hear you. me because I wasn't in the audience, but I mean, <laughs> but accomplishments are yeah. insane for you. And I, again, well, I'm in awe of everything that you've done. Um, you. I, you are probably an amazing professor, although I have oh. not had the honor of taking your class. You build <laughs> droids. So you are awesome in terms of the fact that you love Star Wars and you go out to the community and you try to do good. I, do. I, I don't know what else is to, there is to say that is not amazing about you. <laughs> well, Dr. Thank Montgomery. you. And thank you so much. we find you as our first guest, uh, you know, on the YouTube oh. platform as well. So thank I'm... you for joining the Everyday PM podcast. I'm honored to be here. I'm glad I reached out to you. I saw that you were doing these. I'm like, you know, I think I have something to uh, to share as well and in this community, in this space. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for having me on. And you absolutely do. I mean, without even having the professional, you know, letters after your name, you yeah. know so much about project management. And again, that's what this community and this channel is all about. So thank you awesome. for joining me. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of impart on our audience that you didn't get to say? You know, I think I covered pretty much everything uh, that I wanted to say. Uh, just understand, uh, be positive, celebrate those failures. Yeah, agreed. And Dr. Montgomery is there to support you along the way. That's right. <laughs> Call me anytime. <laughs> so that will do it for Dr. Montgomery and I in this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. If folks want to continue the conversation with you, Dr. Montgomery, on droid building, project management, Whatever else that you want to talk to him about, uh, where can they find you online? They can find me on Twitter. They can find me on LinkedIn. And you can find me on uh, on Facebook. So uh, I think it's uh, Twitter's one, Montgomery 45123 I think I'm friends with Ann. Uh, same on LinkedIn. And uh, look me up. I, I'm always posting our latest projects uh, on Twitter and on uh, LinkedIn, showing off what our students are doing or something that I'm doing that I'm, I'm proud of to um, get out to the community. So I feel, I feel very honored to do what I do. So. Look me up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully we will actually connect in person at Star Wars. Star Wars yeah, Celebration. that'd be great. Uh, I'm doing well. a couple of lectures at Star Wars Celebration. I was asked to be on the animatronic C-3PO panel at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim with a couple other uh, big droid builders. I'm taking my students with me um, yeah. to uh, Star Wars Celebration as well. Uh, and I'm also doing two lectures on a mini R2-D2 dome that students can come in. And uh, by the end of class, I will teach a student how to fully program motors and lights and a little mini R2 dome. So wow. that, that should be a lot of fun. So cool. So yeah, I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to if you are all going to be at Star Wars Celebration, please definitely check uh, out Dr. Montgomery's panels or find them online if you want to chat further. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Make sure you click subscribe and like to this video. It's the first time I get to say that as well. Um, support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting platform that you use. We're on Spotify, Google Play, pretty much all of them, I think. Um, so as well as now this YouTube channel. So thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Montgomery, and those joining us online. Thank you for listening and watching as well. And until next time, take care and may the force be with you.